Grounded in prayer. That is what we're concentrating on. This is our theme through all of 2021, to ground ourselves in prayer. Our children are leading us in this. Every single month they are going to do some kind of interactive activity and share that with us to keep first and foremost in front of us the importance of prayer in our lives. We take a look at, during this first six weeks, we're taking a look at the Lord's Prayer, and it's a model, really. It's one that Jesus gave his followers so that they might know how to pray. Not that they pray these particular words, though we do as a reminder of this model and how it shapes and forms our lives. Last week, we started with praise. It opens with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I hope that this week, as you went about your week praying the Lord's Prayer every single day, you found opportunities to see God in unique and wonderful ways. And you praised God, and you recognized the holy, the hallowed, hallowed around you. Yesterday, as we, uh, as we had our service for Catherine Richards, it was one of those places for me. It was one of those thin places, I call them, where, where heaven actually reaches out and touches earth in a very human way, but also in a very sacred and holy way. And so as we stood out at the cemetery, I found myself realizing that we were standing on very holy ground, not because God deems that ground any more holy than the other, but because in this place, we could see and feel and realize resurrection. It was a holy place. And we gave God thanks for Catherine's life and for her witness in her life to us. The next line in our prayer is all about heaven and earth. It's all about God's will and not ours. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's this word kingdom. It's a hard word for us, uh, especially if you grew up in America or anyone who grew up not really understanding a ruling or a reigning monarchy. It's, it's an odd word for us, and so we often struggle with it. Recently, Kelly and I have been watching... Um, Netflix presentation of the crown. Okay, I know some of you may have been watching that too. And in that, over the, the four series, it follows fictitiously to some extent um, uh, Queen Elizabeth's life of her reign and, um, and the crown in, in England. And so I found as we were looking at it, I spent my time Googling a lot of what was going on because I don't have a good grasp or understanding of what it's like to live in a monarchy or in a kingdom like that. And so I found it interesting. I also found it a bit strange, but also compelling. What is it that drives her devotion? What is it that drives her sense of duty and all of those who, who, um, who serve her and serve with her? So recently, I've seen some authors write it not as kingdom, some theologians, but writing it as kingdom, kingdom, helping us, those of us who don't live in a monarchy situation, 
to understand and acknowledge that we are all kin in God's realm, that we are all brothers and sisters according to God's realm. But I, you know, when I, when I think about that, I'm not sure that helps me because if I think about my own kins, I know that sometimes we don't always get along. And last Wednesday, a group of pastors from Decatur and I met, and we do this once a month, and we gather to fellowship with one another, to pray for one another, and to just uh, uh, be pastors with one another. So this last week, the topic turned to the political scene and all the things that are going on over the last six to eight months, as well as especially the last couple of weeks. And so whatever, what became clear as we shared and uh, supported one another is that even though we may not be on the same foot politically, we all agreed that one of our greatest challenges during this time is for us to stay focused and help our congregations to stay focused on God's kingdom, not worldly kingdoms. Our Christian citizenship resides in a place where worldly powers have no grip. They have no grip. Jesus has a lot to say about the kingdom of God. He uses many metaphors. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds, and yet when it is planted and it grows, it becomes one of the largest plants big enough for the birds of the air to plant and sit and make their nest and hide from the scorching sun. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast in bread. It, it, it multiplies, it expands, it grows, and it feeds more and more as it, as it matures. The kingdom of God is like a precious pearl. The kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure. All of these metaphors paint for us a picture that God's kingdom is not necessarily a physical place, but a spiritual place, a place that has a condition, a condition of our hearts and souls collectively and individually. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying to move out of the way to remove ourselves from center stage, to do what Shane Stanford calls, accept holy humility. When I pray that part of the prayer, often I put it in my own words. I say something like, you know, God, I don't really know where you're at work. I'm not always understanding what you're calling and asking of me in this moment, but I am willing to do your desire. And never was that so plain or so clear to me as when I entered into ministry, full-time ordained ministry. As I discerned whether I was called to be an elder or a deacon in the Methodist uh, tradition, both serve under lifetime ordination, both serve the church and the world in particular ways. But it is uh, the, the elder who agrees to be itinerant, go where God needs us. And that had some implication on our family life. That had not only implication on my own life, but also my husband's life and my children's life. So after much crying and gnashing of teeth, I finally discerned that God was asking me to be an elder. And I've said often, and I continue to say, God is faithful. 
Yes, God has been faithful to Kelly and I and our families in this call, and God continues to be faithful. But in order for us to experience the fullness of God's faithfulness, we have to practice this thing called holy humility. We've got to get out of the middle. We've got to get out of the way. Jesus knows all about holy humility. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, On that final week, he prayed with holy humility, gut-wrenching holy humility. I want to read this prayer to you today. It's found in Luke 22. I'm going to read verses 41 through 46. Listen now for God's word through the evangelist Luke. Then Jesus withdrew from them, about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Then the angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you will not come into a time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this agonizing scene, we witness the utter simplicity of Jesus's prayer instruction to us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus instructed his disciples to pray often. Jesus prayed often. He told them to pray especially in times of danger and struggle and despair. Jesus prayed in times of danger and struggle and despair. He said, sometimes you should pray alone and sometimes you should pray corporately. I think he asks us to pray alone because he recognizes that when we are alone, the true honesty of who we are and what we bring to that relationship with God is more accessible. We have no one to impress, not even God. And if we are truly honest with ourselves, we can get to the to the core, the raw honesty of our relationship with God. And Jesus asked us to offer God and ask for our sincere desires, to put them on the table. Jesus prayed, remove this cup from me. I think sometimes because we, we don't want to be and fall victim to the type of prayer that says, all these things I want and desire, and if I pray hard enough, I'm surely to get them, God will reward me somehow. Because we don't want to pray in that way, often we leave what we truly desire behind. And we don't come to God with our truest convictions. But Jesus says, lay it on the table. Let God know exactly what you desire. But then Jesus acknowledges this holy humility that God may have other plans. 
Now let me be clear. I think we misinterpret this if we say that God's will was for Jesus to suffer and to die. I think rather God's will is that injustice and oppression are opposed, that they don't take hold, that they end with me. Jesus' prayer is for strength and courage to be a witness to the justice and righteousness and peace that God wills. But Jesus also knows that this kind of witness might hold some dire consequences in our lives. So when we pray, Thou, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are actually praying to be a vessel of God, a vessel of God's will on earth. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Romans. He says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then, so we ask, what is the will of God? And Micah gives us a little insight here. Micah reminds us that what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with the Lord. John Wesley puts it this way, and we have this hanging over in our fire hall, over in the Mac. John Wesley says three simple things. Do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. Not my will, but yours. Conveys at its very essence the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it conveys at its very essence a life that we are called to live as Christians. It's hard work. It can be difficult. It can be discouraging. It requires perseverance, and sometimes it requires us to be brave beyond anything we might imagine and bold. But it always requires of us a sense of holy humility. This may be a difficult week coming up, friends. We all are holding our breath, waiting to see what might happen around our nation. And so this is the week as much as any other week, but even more so in my own life, I urge you and all of us to stay grounded in prayer. Do as Jesus says, pray often. Do as Jesus says, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray, thy will be done. Pray, let your kingdom come. Slow down when you say these words in your daily Lord's Prayer. For God to do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And then remember that we are citizens of God's kingdom first and foremost. That we keep our eyes squarely on the God who loves us. God who wants nothing but goodness and wholesome, wholeness for us. And that we keep our eyes on the God whose grace and mercy and peace and humility abounds because you and I carry it within our hearts. And now, friends, with the confidence of God's children, let us all say together that prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.